0: hello everybody this is nikki from motherhood unfiltered is going to be okay and today's guest is mandy capehart and she's an author a speaker and a certified grief and life coach and from the pacific northwest she's the founder of the restorative grief project and that is an online community of grievers and grief supporters looking for movement while they heal so but before we bring her on i just want to remind everybody if you're watching this on youtube to comment like and subscribe to the channel that helps me move up the food chain so i'm not down here in the bottom with the amoebas and the fungus and i know they're necessary but i want to get up towards the where the light is so (laughs) Um, if you're listening to this um, on podcasts, please go to Apple and rate and review so I can see how well I'm doing. So, without further ado, um, here is Mandy Capehart, and I'm so glad she was able to join us today.
1: Hi, Hi Mandy. How are you?
0: <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, Tell us uh, about yourself and how you um, started the your restorative grief um, movement. <laughs> okay, yeah. my words lost. I love
1: they just it's okay. My words head. are overrated, <laughs> to be honest. It's fine. <laughs> so, I'm an author. I've been a writer most of my life, and. The long, the short version of it is that in 2020, when the pandemic shut down the U.S., I lost my job. I was working from home and trying to balance homeschooling, and it just wasn't going to fit. So I Mm -hmm. stopped working for someone else and decided this this is the season where I can really pour into something that means something to me. And that looked like doing what I could to contribute to an increase in grief literacy in the world, knowing Mm -hmm. very well that the pandemic was about to send us on this generational track of unmet grief and untended grief in the world. And I just didn't want to live in that world because I have been navigating the lack of grief literacy in my own world and the people around Mm -hmm. me for a long time. Uh, my mom died in 2016 and she was Mm -hmm. the, not the first person I'd lost, but I had definitely the most impactful And So right. Right. Taking the, opportunity to have that open time to write a book and um, Mm -hmm. tell my story, but also to kind of bring some of the things I'd been working on and learning about loss to the surface really Mm -hmm. expedited because in that fall of 2020, our town had a wildfire that just annihilated most of the affordable housing in our region. And so we immediately had this incredible need and great sense of loss on a very practical level in our community. And what ended up happening was I created this restorative grief project uh, as a Mm -hmm. way for people to just show up and not have to be told, well, here's what you can do. You should be doing all these things to get better. And now that you have housing and now that you have food Mm -hmm. or whatever it was, all of the prescriptions that we think fix grief, um, this became a very safe place for people to fall apart and not have any answers and, to make it oh, to feel safe, not feeling okay. So that's wow. a very nutshell version of how I got started and
0: <laughs> right. Where well, so describe the, um, your model, the model of grieving. Um, is it the same for everybody? I mean, even to, it might be someone different. I mean, do we all
1: go through the same pro- steps and processes or is it different It's a really good question, because we have this idea that there is a linear, prescriptive, easy path through grief, and you just have to find the right Mm -hmm. person that knows how to say it the right way. But the truth is, we all experience it very, very differently, because we are all Mm -hmm. incredibly unique individuals. And so the model that I use for people is very individual centered. So Mm -hmm. I look at the person as a whole person and my work is all driven around helping a person find their own values and what's important to them and Mm -hmm. bringing those values face to face with who they are in their head, their heart, their body, and their spirit. Because as we are grieving all four parts of who we are, head, heart body, spirit are just thrown into Mm -hmm. disarray. We feel crazy in our thoughts or we feel untethered in our thoughts. Rather, we feel wild in our emotions. Our bodies Mm -hmm. carry such pain and nausea and aches and our spirits disconnect from ourselves, from everyone around us, from our community, from our faith, whatever that looks like. And so what I have found is that in order to move forward through the grieving process, whatever that looks like for us, we have to know Mm -hmm. where we're headed, but we don't really know where we're headed or what would be a good place for us to head toward if we don't know who (laughs) we are and what matters. So a lot of the work we do is just helping people identify like what is important to you? What are your values Mm -hmm. in this season? Not, Not like the characteristics that define the entirety of who you are, Right now, mm-hmm. what is valuable to you? Just a couple of things. And mm-hmm. once you have those in hand, how do we then look at what your thoughts are like and what you're going through mentally or your emotions or in your body mm-hmm. or in your spirit and find some tools that can help you realign with a centered sense of peace and stillness within?
0: That is such a great concept because I could definitely see someone who loses someone. Um, maybe it's a spouse or a partner and you've always identified yourself with them. You know, Mm you, you've been together and now they're gone. And I would definitely feel like what, you know, I would be lost, you know, especially if, you know, I lost my husband and I could, that's such a great like starting point, you know, let's, let's do this. And then, we can, you know, go to the next step. So I remember us talking, uh, when we did our, our prep talk that, um, you, there wasn't really a lot of material out there to help people, um, work through this, the grieving process. So, mm-hmm. um, so what is um, the grief literacy and um, and why is it necessary?
1: Yeah. So grief literacy is just a fancy way of saying learning about loss, because mm-hmm. what we have traditionally held on to are the five steps of grieving, which were not prescriptive for people who are surviving a great loss in their lives. The five stages right. of loss uh, were originally designed as an observation, basically, two people who were terminally ill and and recognizing these mm-hmm. commonalities in their experience as they work toward their own place of acceptance mm-hmm. what we experience as grievers in the real world is so drastically different because we can be feeling completely settled and grounded in one moment and be thrown for a complete loop over something as simple as a greeting or a seeing a photograph and so i yeah. think what we have the responsibility to do as people who have grieved is to express honestly and vulnerably. I don't need uh-huh. your platitudes. I don't need you to try and fix anything. I just need you to hear the experience <laughs> and right. gain a little bit of understanding about what it's like, because we all experience loss. We we can mm-hmm. avoid it and we can avoid processing it, but we're going to experience it. And so
0: yeah. in my
1: world, the more people that I work with or talk to who are, trained so to speak in how mm-hmm. to talk with a griever or how to actually support someone in a way that feels supportive to them and not just mm-hmm. you know satisfactory like I did my thing and I contributed mm-hmm. and good job me um right. the more likely we are to have a community that can actually really handle when there's significant loss and so it, it's it's not that there's not a lot of material out there because there's definitely a lot of material about grief it's not uh-huh. helpful material it's it's uh, often harmful mm-hmm. or reductive, or
0: yeah, spiritual
1: bypassing or toxic positivity that we don't realize is actually so harmful. We think we're being really helpful, but we're creating uh-huh. bigger wounds for people.
0: What's the toxic pos? What would you say? Toxic uh, positivity. Toxic
1: positivity. Yeah, the- explain that to me. Good vibes only. <laughs> Good vibes only <laughs> or buck up buttercup or the idea that your emotions can be minimized because the yeah. emotional experience is causing you pain. Well, it's gotcha. cyclical, right? Our thoughts feed mm-hmm. into our beha- our feelings and our feelings make us act a certain way. And then mm-hmm. in response to those actions, we think a certain way. So it is cyclical. Right, but right. when we dismiss those uncomfortable emotions, we're also dismissing the fullness of our humanity. Just a little thing, yeah. Just that, like, yeah, we are. (laughs) Yeah, that
0: I, I, yeah, it seems like from my period of growing up, um, a lot of like if I fell and and got hurt, you know, I would be told, Oh, you're fine, you know, yeah. So, and I'm like, No, I'm not fine. I I broke my leg, (laughs) you know, it hurts. So, yeah, I could totally relate to that. Um, So let's talk about the disenfranchised uh, grief. Um, I don't remember us talking about that, but uh, it's got my curiosity today. So
1: So disenfranchised grief is basically grief events that don't really fit into the expectation your culture around you has of loss. And so Mm -hmm. um, maybe you have a disappointment, or maybe you chose a course of action that has caused grief in your life, like a breakup, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I broke up with them. Why am I grieving? We hear that a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. Disenfranchised grief just means that the culture has normalized pushing that aside and not allowed you in your fullness of humanity to actually experience that there is still mm-hmm. a loss associated. Even when you, if it quit a job and I still cared about the, the people I was with or what I, the work that I did, I'm going to experience okay. grief. And we've got this, idea, right. this wrong, harmful idea that like we are not allowed to feel complex thoughts and feelings if we mm-hmm. had something to do with the loss, right? As if grief is only valid, if it happens to us and we can't influence it in any way. And that's just not true.
0: Oh, so, so you're referring to not like the loss of like a death of somebody, but a loss of something in your life that you had contributed to, you know, like you said, a job or maybe a relationship, but for Mm -hmm. some reason or another, you decided to either get a new job or to break up with that person and so yeah i mean i could yeah i could definitely feel like especially a job i mean i've been at my job for 20 years and i would be sad if i had to go someplace else you know because i've worked there for a long time i know a lot of people you know and we've done great things together you know in the job process so um so yeah i could definitely relate to that um Having that sense of, or even when someone retires, you know, that I've worked with for a long time, I am like, so sad to see them go, you know, but happy for them too, you know, but, (laughs) but I'm sad because I'm feeling selfish. Yeah, I'm feeling selfish about it because I'm like, well, who am I going to bother now if I need something, you know, I have to find somebody (laughs) new.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's that's exactly it. It's this idea that it's okay to have complex emotions that don't make sense, that feel uncomfortable. Yeah. The more we make space for people to feel uncomfortable and to exist in that discomfort and in that tension, the more the richer of a, a human experience uh-huh. we'll have. I'm I'm very very careful about making sure that even if things are uncomfortable that we ask questions uh-huh. about why. What's wrong with being uncomfortable? I think, you know, we're a little bit addicted to comfort, but that's a different
0: conversation. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I love my comfort. I'll just tell you that (laughs) right now. But (laughs) how does, I mean, how does someone know when they're like done grieving? I, I, sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like it never ends, you know, especially when I, you know, I think about my grandma who we lost a couple of years ago and there's still moments When I will say or see something and it reminds me of her and I just, you know, will start crying about it, you know? I mean, so, I mean, am I still grieving or, I mean, is that, is it just a one and done thing
1: or how does that work? I think grief stays with us. It's, it's not Mm -hmm. a that loss is gone or suddenly I'm okay not having that thing or that person. And certainly there are going to be grief events that are much greater and more impactful on us long-term. But I think grieving is different. I think it's an active engaging process that when you are grieving, you are experiencing the loss kind of firsthand. Mm. And the more time we spend being intentional about that, Mm -hmm. I think the, More frequently, we will experience those moments of grieving, like you were talking about, but Mm -hmm. it will feel less disruptive. So in a sense of like, if you picture yourself on this path, right, that spirals Mm -hmm. in on itself, so you start in the center, Mm -hmm. and you're slowly walking out, you're going to encounter Places That you've come by before, but you're going at it from a different perspective. You're further out from Mm. the center of the event, you can still see and you experience things, but you're learning more. So you're kind of expanding Mm -hmm. and including part of your story that came before you and Mm -hmm. gaining some insight and applying new versions like the new understanding of who you are what serves you well and what brings you back into alignment shows up so i mean the complicated answer there the short answer no i don't think we ever really stop grieving
0: if you haven't heard about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast so let me explain it's free There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com dot fm to get started again it's a-n-c-h-o-r dot fm to get started
1: but yeah. I do think we show up so differently to it every time it comes up that that's mm-hmm. the ongoing act of healing, because I don't think we ever stop healing either. It's not an right. arrival that we're looking for.
0: So what should I respond to somebody when they say, well, you know, it's either someone who's passed on or um, a relationship that's broke up. They say, well, they've never gotten over them, you know, and, you In my mind, I always felt like they were saying that in a negative way, but do you, I mean, who says you have to get over that person? I mean, you, you know, if this is someone special to you, you know, you've loved them, you've been with them for a long time, they're always going to be a part of you. You know, I mean, how do we, how can we react to that? You know, I mean, I don't think they're trying to be hurtful, but you know, it still is a negative connotation about it? Well, and
1: I think noticing that that gut reaction is that you have a negative connotation to it is super important mm-hmm. because the truth mm-hmm. is we we are not islands. We are defined and build our perspectives and our personalities and our lives around our connections to other mm-hmm. people. And so it makes perfect sense that when one of those people is removed, mm-hmm. we have hangups and we feel mm-hmm loss. Mm -hmm. I have a conversation. I had a conversation with my husband the other day about high school friendships and Mm -hmm. how I will still, you know, I hear about people dying from my high school class and I still this long afterwards feel something for them. That doesn't mean that I haven't gotten over high school or that I'm living in the past. That means that (laughs) I carry affection for people that I know and have known. And I want to know that they're well and healthy and in the world Grief is going to disrupt that loss is always going to interrupt our conversations with people in life. And the more that we accept that we are actually interconnected and it's normal Mm -hmm. and healthy and good to have these emotional responses to people and to feel drawn to and connected to people, Mm -hmm. the less uncomfortable. And I think the less negative we'll have Mm -hmm. of responses toward people who say, Oh, I'm grieving this or, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, I think we we tend to have those negative connotations because we don't want to enter into mm-hmm. someone else's discomfort. We don't want to feel yeah. the weight or the emotions or the um the unhelpful or uncomfortable emotions that they're experiencing. And so we oh minimize what they're going through and keep ourselves very yeah. sheltered by saying, like, you're fine, like seriously. Seriously, it's been 30 years. Are you kidding me? Minimized uh, in that moment, shut down everything they're experiencing and made it back about me so that I can be comfortable. And right. that's just a really unkind thing to do. So, yeah, I, I can totally. It, I think to no, answer the original question of like, how do I, what do I say when someone says, I'm, I'm grieving this thing that happened so long ago? <laughs> I tend to offer as an opportunity because if they brought it up, they brought it up for a reason. Right. So I tend right, to say, right. do you want to talk? about it? I'm happy to listen. I have no advice yeah. or answers for you, but I'm available Aww. as a place to just let you process. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a good they listener. They
0: <laughs> Right. I so if I know someone, you know, um so are there times that is there things that we can do when someone we know is either going to lose someone or we're going to lose someone, mm-hmm. you know, maybe from a long illness or you just feel like that relationship or job is not going to work out is are there things we can do to prepare ourselves for that for that separation or that when we lose our loved one
1: yeah so you're talking about anticipatory grief which is this i see something coming kind of a loss yeah and the really damaging things i guess what i'll say is what not to do
0: <laughs> oh, okay <laughs>
1: <Because> <laughs> anticipatory grief is somewhere It's this place where we think, oh, thank goodness. I've got a set finite amount of time. I can say all the things I need to say. I can make sure that I spend as much time as possible with this person. Uh I can clean up any open, you know, wounds or unresolved issues. Listen, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and in Mm -hmm. four months she was gone. The Mm -hmm. anticipation of her loss was amplified by my own pressure to Mm -hmm. be present, to say all the things, to uproot my Mm -hmm. life. I tried to move Mm -hmm. my entire family across the state to a third of the income. We wouldn't have survived. We could not have survived on the income where we would be living um, right? because I was so scared of what I was losing in those moments. So when you have anticipatory grief events. Like you see something mm-hmm. coming. The mm-hmm. most precious thing you can do, in my opinion, for people is to make space to take all the shoulds off the table. It's really easy to get prescriptive and say, Oh, you should call them every day. Should you? Oh, okay. Is that how your relationship has always been?
0: Uh-uh. I don't know yeah. that that's
1: actually good advice. <laughs> the pressure yeah. and the pain and the fear of what you could say. I don't know. I, I, It's a tough one because the other side of that is it's going to be based on every person. Some people might say, yeah, actually calling every day would resolve some issues. Making more time in my life to go be with them actually would help me process this. But that's up to the individual. And as we get to know ourselves better and know our values Uh and know what brings us back into that centered feeling of wholeness in who we are, even in anticipatory grief, then we are able to say, oh, I see this grief event coming. I know that meditation helps me. Or I know that travel helps me. Or I know that actually talking to that person helps me. It disarms the fear of death. And it disarms our fear of this lack of control that we have over everything that we're going to experience.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of the the scene in Gone with the Wind at the very end when um, Melanie is on her deathbed and she wants to see scarlet and the doctor says, This is not the time for you to be re like repenting of all your sins. You know, this is not the right. time. This is for her, you know, and you know, so scarlet didn't, you know, say anything or you know, whatever. So, um, it, so it kind of reminds me of that situation, you know, when you know someone, um, or you're anticipating this event, um, to just um, not try to sh- stuff every little thing into those moments, you right. know, because I think that kind of takes away from, you know, the actual being with that person, you know, it does. I don't know if I've explained that correctly. You know?
1: No, you mm-hmm. totally did it. It. it- takes away the authenticity of who we are and the relationships that we have with one Mm -hmm. another, because we're trying to create something that we think is going to be meaningful when the truth is being honest and spending time with people is the most valuable thing we can do in this life. We're always going to say the wrong thing at some point. We're always going to feel like we didn't get enough time with someone. The more time and honesty and vulnerability we can pour into our relationships the more grounded we will be when something awful and uncomfortable comes up.
0: Wow. I, I love that. I'm glad I, we talked about that. My ex mother-in-law says, you know what? If you didn't come and see me when I was alive, don't come and see me when I'm dead. So I was, she was always just, you know, black and white with her <laughs> explanations, but I mean, it's kind of, it hits oh, the mark, funny. you know? Sure.
1: Yeah. What do you miss? I don't know that you miss much. I, I'm sorry.
0: I know. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> she funny. was, she was a pistol. <laughs> I'll just say that. But so, <laughs> um, so before we close, I mean, do you have any last, you know, last thoughts that we could share with people that either have experienced this and <sighs> definitely need help or, you know, or they're anticipating something? I, I mean, I feel like everybody on the thing, the, everybody on the planet has experienced something where they've lost something, oh, yeah. you know, either yeah. tangible or, you know, family or friends or whatever. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, I could have all kinds of stuff, you know, running through my head. You know, I, the one thing that, probably is the worst for me is, I mean, I have had loved ones die, but was my divorce from my first husband. And there are still times today, I can't even talk about it, you know, I will just boohoo all about it, you know, and it was just such a traumatic experience for me, because I was just, I mean, I was just so over the, you know, the moon for the guy and, you know, we had three sons and I mean, to this day, it just is, you know, devastating, but, um, but, you know, I, I just try to take it for what it is. I mean, we had, you know, good times. I try to think about those and, um, and then I remarried it to a wonderful guy, you know, and he's just, he's just something else. <laughs> But so what would, (laughs) he's, I don't even know how we got together. I mean, we're just too different. But anyway, so, Mm. so how would, um, so any last thoughts, you know, for people, I know you have your podcast Mm. and you have your book, which will have those details in the show notes. So just, you know, are your last (laughs) thoughts, very last thoughts. (laughs) My Mm -hmm.
1: very last thoughts, Um, my, (laughs) my last thoughts would be to spend some time before you need people cultivating Mm -hmm. the people you need. I think having one or two or three at most people Mm -hmm. who you are willing to fall apart in front of before you need them is really precious. Because if I next in 10 minutes need people who can hold space for me, who can let Mm -hmm. me crumble. Let me take Mm -hmm. all the facades away without any judgment, without any trying to repair it or fix it or Mm -hmm. offer me platitudes or minimize my pain or compare it to theirs, Mm -hmm. whatever. Right. I need those people before I need them. And the the intimacy you create in relationship with people carries so much further when you are in need because they know that they can trust you for them when that time comes for them as well. And that, you know, we we tend to only create our lifeboats when we are seeing the rains come down and the floodwaters (laughs) rise, but we need the lifeboats prepared and ready and stocked before the water rises. And I think that that's the same thing with grief. We just have to recognize vulnerability is going to happen to us. We may as well lean Mm -hmm. in when we have a little bit of influence over what it looks like
0: Mm -hmm. and just try
1: it out. Because that way you can also like, ferret out the people who aren't the right supporters for you because they're, right, those right. are six too. And they'll surprise us with who they are. They'll, they'll, we were, I was often very surprised at who was and who wasn't there and that's okay. I'm not yeah. it against them, but knowing right. ahead of time is very helpful.
0: Right. Right. That's beautiful. I, yeah, definitely find out who your people are, you know, before, you know, um, yeah, like you said, like the boat, like the water starts rising, you know, you better have your boat ready and the people with it. <laughs> so
1: yeah, well, it's, it's very easy to miss that. Yeah.
0: Sorry. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Mandy, I am so glad that you, um, we were able to get this together and um i hope you get to feeling better and i am definitely going to now your book is like a like a study guide where you go through steps and processes
1: yeah so it's a 31 day guidebook there's a little intro section it is based on the five steps of grief um Specifically mm-hmm. for familiarity. It's not actually like these are the stages. It is faith based. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of um, my personal conviction in the story because it's part memoir, but mm-hmm. there's also practices and um, influence from all kinds of different wisdom and uh, traditions in the world. So if someone is struggling with like grief around their own faith practice, I don't recommend my work at all because I don't want to cause more wounds. But if that's not oh, something gotcha. you're you're carrying or that's really difficult, then
0: I mm-hmm. definitely think
1: it's worthwhile because it's tiny little pieces. I had a client the other mm-hmm. day who said, I finally started reading your book and I was all excited for the little pieces. And then I realized there's an intro. I was like, skip the intro. <laughs> if you're mad at me, she was like, I was mad at you. I had to read the whole intro and I wasn't ready for it. It's was like, okay. <laughs> permission to skip around because that's really what it's actually served me really well too I have it obviously Mm -hmm. but I have my own copy that every now and then I'll say like I'm furious I need to go back and check in with myself Mm -hmm. these are all things in the book that served me really well as I was going through the last right
0: well thank you so much Mandy for joining us today and um, I look forward to speaking with you again
1: thank you Nikki it was an honor to be here I appreciate it
0: love this episode of motherhood unfiltered it's going to be okay podcast head over to apple spotify or amazon podcast to subscribe rate and leave a review it's very much appreciated thank you